Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. Hello, hello out there in Casual Talk Radio land, casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister. I'm your host, and I want to welcome you back or welcome you to the show, whichever is applicable to you. I have a couple of bits and bulbs that I want to share. Today's episode is going to be a little bit on the slim side, but I have a lot of information, so I'm going to be somewhat, I don't want to say crash coursing through it, but I am going to be going through it real quick so you know where I'm at here. Just to give some history, especially if you're newer. So Casual Talk Radio actually started a long time ago now. It's been a while. And it was a gentleman's world. That's how it started. It was just a gentleman's world. And I had a different vision for the show. And then eventually it branched off into what would become Crypto Talk Radio and Combat Talk Radio. But I still had kind of in my heart and soul this idea that I wanted to have just a regular casual talk radio show. And so I focused on it very heavily. And what I ended up with is I think there's something here And I've kind of mentally tussled with, okay, what do I really want it to be? I think I'm at that point of it doesn't really need to be anything. It can be anything, any and everything or just nothing. It can be anything. But the most important thing for me is consistency. So in order to try to enforce more consistency, I shifted the schedule of the show to once a week on Mondays so that I can give it the focus and attention that it truly deserves. As along with this, I need to also diversify the offerings that it provides. And there's a lot of tools and things that I have available that I've not been making use of that's going to change. So there's a couple of announcements. First announcement, there's another service I own, or at this point owned, past tense, called Stacks Gaming, stacksgaming.com. Stacksgaming.com was my place for putting reviews where I could fairly cover them without the censorship that is applicable on places like GameFAQs. If you know GameFAQs, it's a terrible site. There's so much censorship there and so much, I mean, they get triggered over everything and I didn't want to have my content stuck over there without some freedom to express what it is. Well, I also need to have that messaging put out and available to the world. Casualtalkradio.net actually contains features that allowed me to take you make use of this, right? So stacksgaming.com will be absorbed into the casual talk radio umbrella and all of the different reviews that I do will be made available in written form. And I think written form makes better sense because you can see visual. There's some screenshots, there's good pros and cons coverage around gaming. And I have a lot of them from the past and I'm going to be bringing those over into casualtalkradio.net. These will be then shared through Twitter primarily. I'm also going to be cross-sharing them into Facebook because it seems like, for whatever reason, don't know why, Facebook is starting to get a larger audience. And so I have to try to pivot my attention. I think the whole Elon Musk, if you didn't know, Elon Musk changed the logo for Twitter. It's now an X, which nobody seems to make any sense because you got SpaceX and then this X and Tesla X and XX. Apparently, he's a fan of X, whether that's because of X-rated materials, I don't know, but People are kind of moving away from Twitter. I'm not seeing anywhere near 
the level of traffic I'm used to on Twitter. So I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on the Facebook side with some of this coverage. Now, the flip of this is it means that I've got to kind of reschedule things and move stuff around as I need to move out of Nevada and make more time to invest to move all the old content over into Casual Talk Radio. This is going to be an overtime endeavor for the remainder of the year. It will not affect the recording of the show, but I wanted to make sure you're interested as there may be people who are gamers that listen to my show and might be interested in a different outlet for reviews. Not that I'm trying to entice you to one place to go, but it's a different view. I believe that my style in writing and delivery is a lot better than much of what you have out there. You know, if you notice, some of these reviews are, they're heavily slanted or leaned, like you'll see people trash a game because it's got fan service, right? Or people trash a game because it doesn't have amazing 3D graphics or people trash a game because it's anime. Like they're trashing for stupid, silly things. They're not judging it fairly on its face. And I try to judge them fairly. So if that's of interest to you, what I am going to try to do is expose the blog link for this, this place that I'm building. But in the short term, if you simply follow Casual Talk Radio on Twitter, I'm going to be posting those different reviews backwards through time to make available to you. And I've done some for, because I do a lot of emulator-based games too, or I did. So there's emulator-based games. I have a lot of Switch games. I have a lot of PC games. There's a lot of PC games I do reviews. I have a lot of reviews on, on Steam too. And I've got to figure out how to get those wrapped into this. This is going to be my single place to go for these gaming reviews as I continue to do what I used to really enjoy doing. I don't game nearly as much as I used to. You know, I might only spend two or three hours-ish per day playing one game. It's nowhere near what I used to do. I used to do long sprints. A friend of mine, when we were kids, we used to play games like Gym Fire, Romance of the Three Kingdoms 4, Uncharted Waters, Destiny of an Emperor, you know, all the way to the early morning. I'm nowhere close to that anymore because I don't have the patience for it. And frankly, the modern games suck. Too, so that, that makes it easy, right? Because since the games suck, I'm not as enticed. But there's been a couple of games recently that have caught my attention and I spend a lot of time on them and I want to share my experiences as I either think they're crap or I think they're really good. I want to share that experience with everybody else to hopefully help other people make an informed decision. So that's on deck. The other part of this, if you didn't know, there is a YouTube channel. It's at Casual Talk Radio on YouTube. I don't post a lot there. It's mostly for these one-time 30-minute thoughts that I'm putting out there and I'm trying to get some feedback from folks. So it's not frequent. I might do like once a month or once every two weeks. Nothing that you have to keep tabs on if you're interested. Just something I would share in case you're on YouTube and are curious about that. And that's a variety. I just did, I believe, two gaming-centric audio pieces there. Some things are about different topics, you know, like computer science. If you're interested in computer science, I did an audio-only topic about that with comparisons. These kinds of shared thoughts that I thought were a good fit for YouTube as opposed to burdening it with the podcast. So that's also out there. Separately, once I get everything wrapped up with the studio, a place where I'm going, wherever the hell that is, then I'll be back on track for more frequency of my recordings. And you'll see things ramp up. So all that's on deck and to be determined. And you'll see, hopefully, a shift in everything that I'm doing. And if I can get guests back on, which I do plan to do, by the way, guests back on and start talking about different people and different things in the world, that is on deck as well. So now that I got all that out of the way, I want to dig into this whole idea of games. That's my topic for today. It's not any one specific game, just gaming in general, the culture, 
society, mostly United States. I think it's a United States thing, but I wanted to kind of put a little bit of focus around this business. Games, again, I was gaming for years since I was a kid. Most people have gamed when they were kids and video games started to suck at some point. And I don't really know at what point it started to suck. I tried to think about it and I believe it started to suck when online gaming really became a thing. For those that don't know, the concept of online gaming stems back to the dial-up days. There actually was in the Dreamcast, it had a built-in modem, a 56K baud modem, because it was trying to allow online gaming. But of course, it sucked back then because you had dial-up. Dial-up wasn't going to cut it. As internet speeds got faster and we started to see more online games become a thing, all of a sudden there's a shift. In the old days, we used to enjoy, purposely enjoy, going to your local arcade and playing games with our friends shortly after school or just whatever. And then we would go over other people's houses and play their video game consoles. We're in the same room playing it together or playing together as a family. Online gaming shifted the narrative because with online gaming, you don't have to get up and go to your friend's house. You don't have to go to the arcade. You don't have to do these things, but you can still play. I would argue it's not the same feeling. When I take something like Street Fighter, it's a great example because the most the newest Street Fighter was released and I think it's crap, and then the newest Mortal Kombat had a trailer, and I think it's crap, and this got me reflecting of what we used to have. So our vice as kids or teenagers was Super Street Fighter 2, Mortal Kombat 2. My brother, who passed away very recently, passed away in February. The whole narrative back then, if anybody remembers, and I think everybody listening to the show is roughly around my age range, the big thing used to be having those entertainment wall unit type things. It was a big hulking thing. You have your CRT TV kind of plastered in there. And that was right when the Sonys came out with the flats, right? And we would have our game consoles. We'd have our NESs. We'd have our Super Nintendos, Sega Genesis's. There'd be a VHS somewhere up there. And we would have a studio receiver, right? So we try to get the good sound and all this. And of course, the consoles didn't support surround sound. So stereo was the best we could do. During this era, I was really, really big onto Super Street Fighter 2, really big on it. My brother, he was really big on Mortal Kombat, on the Genesis, because Mortal Kombat had blood, Street Fighter did not. To me, Street Fighter had the more attaching characters. I could relate to the characters better than on the Mortal Kombat side. I felt the gameplay was better. I felt like the challenge was up there better. Regardless, I did end up paying, playing both, and we ended up playing things like Tekken and other games, but I always would come back to Street Fighter. I would hold tournaments at my house with my friends on the street, and we would pick, you can play different colors on Super Street Fighter, so my color was green. My favorite character was who I refer to as Slammy, aka Cammy. But the singular trait about myself, you could, I could, I was at this point, I would tell you, you pick who I use, and I'll beat you with him. That's how good I used to be. Everybody would pick Dalsam they, because they thought Dalsam sucks. Dalsam doesn't suck. Dalsam's actually overpowered. So then they get frustrated or T-Hawk because he's slow. Didn't matter. Once he gets a hand on you, he drops you. So <laughs> these are the fun times. But it all took place at my house, you know, on the couch with friends together. You should get food, sit it all together. Okay, so I figure in my mind, and perhaps I'm naive in this regard, I figure that this is what everybody would want to do, that the concept of going over a friend's house, the concept of talking to a friend on the phone, the concept of congregating together as friends would never die. And instead, there are more people that prefer online games versus offline games to the point 
Online games started to dominate, even though the price is the same as an offline experience. So then I see reviews and they'll say something like, there's no online, so I'm going to ding it two stars. And I'm just like, really, dude, are you serious? Back in my day, right, we wouldn't necessarily, if it has online, it does. It wasn't a deal breaker. It just happens to have online and whether we use it or not, like maybe we're sick or something where there's a value use case other than just avoiding going over somebody's house. So just to put in perspective now why this hit a fever pitch, I was looking at recent reviews to compare against what I was doing. And I see the same narrative all over the place. Nobody cares about the single player experience. Nobody cares that the games are like 10 hours, 20 hours long when they used to be like 40 and 50 hours long. Everybody cares about online. If it's a new sports game, it has to have online or people think it's garbage. And the worst offender, when there's a review, they'll do a number scale. And it used to be, you know, you could go down to like a five and still be pretty much okay. It just means it's not great. Now, if you score anything lower than an eight, your game is crap. And I'm like, where did this narrative come from? Where we've lost sight of what was important with respect to games. And I can only surmise that the rise of mobile gaming played a part because all mobile gaming is crap to me. There's only two mobile games I can think of in any history I've ever touched where the games are any good. That's Chaos Rings 3 and whatever that other one was. And that's it. So I just think it's crap in general. Okay. Yes, I know certain games have been ported to mobile. The problem is you're stuck with a crap battery. You're stuck with a touchscreen. It's not a fun experience compared to a good old-fashioned controller. So now I'm I'm dealing with reviews I can't really trust. I can't trust their opinion, uh, their opinion. And then the icing on top of it, they slant their narratives. They'll trash, or, again, a trash a game if it's got too much, quote, fan service. They'll trash a game if they don't talk about LGBT. They'll trash a game if there's no online. They'll trash a game for stupid reasons or even worse, trash a game because of too many cutscenes. Used to be... You couldn't get enough cutscenes. If I look at Final Fantasy VII, when it first came out, it was loaded with cutscenes and nobody blinked an eye. But all of a sudden, because of our twitchy current world, cutscenes are now looked at as negative, and they shouldn't be. Cutscenes tell the story. Cutscenes push the narrative. I saw a guy, he was on, um, I think it was Reddit or GameFAQs, one of the two. And he basically said he doesn't care about story. He doesn't care about characters. He doesn't care about any of it. It's all about the gameplay. I just want to get in there and start playing. I'm skipping every cutscene. I just want the gameplay. And then he says the gameplay sucks because he can't understand what the hell to do. This is where we're at. So I've accepted that the modern era of gamers have just been influenced by visually pretty graphics with respect to, you know, it's a pretty girl, but she's an airhead. That's what we have in games. And that's what they want. But then they complain because the gameplay sucks or it's hard to follow because you're not following the experience. So then this whole Final Fantasy 16 business comes out and it's nothing but pretty graphics. It doesn't really have any fundamentals. It doesn't have any depth to it anywhere compared to like Final Fantasy 10 even. And so people are praising it initially saying, look at how amazing. Oh my goodness, look at these vistas and I can stare out. It looks amazing. But I'm like, I looked at this way back in November and I'm like, this game looks like crap. There's nothing here. It looks generic. It looks like Game of Thrones threw up and did something else. And people are trashing and, they're, and angry and I'm a hater and I'm a whatnot. When I'm saying there's nothing here, there's no game here. This looks like generic crap. Some people even said Devil May Cry. I'll give you that. But Devil May Cry, I thought, was a little bit more entertaining than this shit. Right? So <laughs> fast forward now. The game comes out. Initially, all you see are amazing graphics. You go to Metacritic. Tens and tens and tens and tens. And I did a video on YouTube. That's why I mentioned the YouTube side. 
I did an audio only video on YouTube and I was asking a question. You know, I, I see all these tens and I don't believe it. There's no way this is a perfect 10. It cannot be a perfect 10. Chances are it's being overrated because I don't see anything there. If you go around to sites now after the so-called honeymoon period is worn off, people are like, geez, there's not really much here. I mean, the side quests kind of suck and the story ending kind of sucks and there's no real replay value. And it's like, you knew this from the November video, but you're not understanding. You're being influenced by a pretty trailer. If we haven't learned from Final Fantasy 15 about why you don't do that, I don't know what it's going to take. You're being influenced by pretty graphics. Pretty graphics can no longer be sufficient. These developers know they can just half-ass the delivery of a game by giving you pretty graphics without doing the hard work of making an actual fun, durable game that's actually worth $60. Because the thing is, with Final Fantasy 16, they actually had the nerve to charge $10 more even though it doesn't have anywhere near the depth of another Square Enix game which is Star Ocean Divine Force. Like, that's unthinkable because that game's graphics aren't amazing, but gameplay-wise, it blows out Final Fantasy 16 out of the water. My message, and you're like, where are you going with this? Where I'm going with this is the reason that this sparked a new interest to come back and revisit what I was doing before and try to deliver something that was a little bit better quality is because of the crap that's out there with respect to people's understanding of games and reviews where there may be some people that are looking for somebody who has a sense of what really is what used to be, I should say, a good game. Overall, I see that this game has qualities and traits that are worth your time. I do this somewhat on the crypto side. I look at cryptocurrencies that look like they're worth somebody's time. And that's my heavy focus. I might try to warn about something that's crap, but my heavy focus is on things that are worth people's time. So with this wrap-in of Stacks Gaming and the adding of the gaming reviews and the coverage, for those that it's of interest to, I do welcome you to take a look at what I've got done. And I do think you're going to find that it's by far and away much better written, much better flow, much better presented than some of the slanted reviews that are out there that only care about their personal bias. You know, I do have a bias in terms of anime. However, there's non-anime games that I enjoy. I actually don't like visual novels. However, I'm, I'm playing AI Somnium Files Nat right now, both of them. And they're visual, you know, video novels. I played 13 Sentinels. That's a novel. So even though I don't like them, I'll still play them and I evaluate them on the face. If I see that there's something here and it certainly has its entertainment value, I'm going to praise it for those things. And I'll call out specific things I don't like without completely trashing it. And I don't care if a game has, you know, LGBT things inside of it or has certain violence inside of it or has fan service inside of it or has sex inside of it or whatever. As long as it's not overbearing, as long as it's not shoved in your face, as long as it's not blatantly obvious they're trying to push propaganda, which is one thing I crapped on Somnium Files for because there's propaganda about LGBT. It's not about the characters themselves. It's propaganda in how they present it, which demeans the characters, which is what I don't like. Everywhere else, I think it's a great game, great graphics, kind of fun, good you know, plot holes, sure, but the concept is good. So you hear the pros, you hear the cons, and you can then take that information and make your own decision about whether it's a game you might want to try. Because maybe you didn't know. Maybe you heard about it, didn't realize that, oh, it's not just this, it's actually something here and there's some pros to it. Maybe you were curious about it in the past. Maybe you hadn't even heard about it at all. I think there's value in what it brings. And so I'm excited to have that be made available. And hopefully I can derail some of the garbage that's been put out there with games and give a different voice 
for reviews. And I don't get paid for the gaming reviews. I buy my own games like crazy. Not like crazy, but I buy my own games pretty frequently and I play them through. I usually don't do a review till I beat it unless it's absolute crap, you know, and then I'll call it out what it is. And sometimes I'm early access, like there's games that are early access and I'll be part of those and then I'll do a write-up on those. So you're going to get a wide variety of different coverages and different games. They do slant very heavily towards role-playing games. I'll warn you on this one. Primarily because I don't, first-person shooter games don't do it for me. They all look the same. They all play the same. They all act the same. There's no interest there. Sports games, they don't do the sports I like. So I, you know, that's whatever. So I do slant heavily on the role-playing slash strategy side. If either of those genres are of interest, I encourage you and welcome you to check those out. Now that I've finished all that, and that was some rapid-fire speech there, my last point to make here today, just as a bit of coverage so you have an awareness, there's some things that are changing in the United States with respect to our educational system and loans and everything around it because Joe Biden lost his case to basically make a bunch of money go away <laughs> with respect to the student loans. He lost that case. So people's student loans are going to be coming due here in the next couple of months and they're going to start paying. What they did is they created a new payment plan. The payment plan, if you didn't know on federal loans, they always had certain payment plans for deferment and forbearance options that were available to you on federal loans. This new plan basically waives payments entirely for incomes minus a certain level. So they were, it's modifications to an existing plan, which is how they're doing an end run around what happened at the courts. Do I think it's good for people who have student loans? Sure. Do I think it's good for the economy? No. What I mean by this is, unfortunately, what we've done, when I say we, I mean the country, what we've done is we've forced students to take out loans to afford school because the colleges can basically rip, them, rip off the government. They can be as greedy as they want, and so they take all this money, which requires loans because nobody can pay them. Remember, there was a time when most college education was three figures, four figures at the most, but usually about three figures. It was very inexpensive to go to college as an incentive for people to go. When it got more expensive, it became a disincentive for people to go. The government then changed the rules so that lower incomes didn't have to work as hard in order to get the loans. But now you're saddling people with debt. The debt only makes sense if you can get into good paying jobs that can pay it back. The narrative that they told you is that you'll be able to get this master's degree or bachelor's degree. Initially, it was associate's degree. Then it changed to bachelor's or master's. And by virtue of these, it pretty much guarantees you a job. Do, do, do. As people will learn later, it does not guarantee you a job. And even if you do get a job, it doesn't guarantee you a good paying job. And there is a lot of discrimination in the workplace. They will favor people who are younger, fresh out of college, because they know with the younger folks, they're less likely to pass away, hint, hint, or get sick, hint, hint. And they can work them to the bone, especially in STEM, where they can work them overtime and do the salary laws, basically get 12, 15, 16, 17 days hours per day out of these people. This is all this, this is all the game. Meanwhile, you've got a whole bunch of debt load that's building up. Lots of these lawyers and doctors and everything else have a lot of debt with these loans. If they don't get the pay they expected that they were told they were going to get, they're not going to be able to pay back those loans. You can't waive them in bankruptcy. So if you can't afford them, it's just going to jack up your credit and they actually can take and withhold your tax refunds in order to pay them back. If they take your tax refund, that means that's an extra bit of money you can't bank on. 
So the net effect, it's snowball. You're going to keep going into debt and further into debt. That means that the government is not only contributing to the debt load countrywide, but they're also supporting the narrative that you should be in debt, which is why Biden had to do something. He had to try to see if he could get voters to say, okay, he's a good president by waving all this money. And so he tricked people into thinking that he was going to be able to do that when he quote unquote campaigned in the 2020 election. The truth is he was never going to be able to do it because it was always against the law, which is why the states won the case. Where am I going with this? What am I saying? What's my point? What I'm saying here, because I felt it was a good afterthought here to share. At the end of the day, they're trying to do everything they can to try to look good leading into the 2024 election. And they're using this whole student loan fiasco as their gate into retaining their position. It's up to you how you choose to lean. As somebody myself, I, you know, I went to college. I have some loans. I have the whole nine. I didn't for a moment thought, think they were going to get waived. They were going to be there. They're going to have to be paid. It is what it is. Because I realized after I went to college, and I went to college later. I didn't go to college fresh out of school. I went to college way later. I realized after I went through it the first time, because I went to multiple different colleges. After I went through it the first time, I realized it was all a scam. The whole thing is a scam. And it's a trap. And I just happen to make a lot of money where I'm not too worried about it, but I can only imagine somebody who makes half of what I do, which is still a lot of money, but you're, you're dealing with having to pay for a home. Rents are sky high now. Paying for food, food prices are going sky high. Paying for cars, cars basically force you to have a loan if you want to buy a new car because those prices are like double what they used to be. Everything is higher. So you take all this extra debt stacked on top of this student loan that may or may not get you the job that you think you're going to get because they told you it was going to get you a good paying job, but the good paying jobs were shipped overseas. Do you see how it ties together? So I'm not telling you to do anything Airbnb. I'm giving you some food for thought here. At the end of the day, the whole thing with the student loan was never going to happen. And if you voted for Joe Biden because he told you he's going to be able to do this, that means you did not do your due diligence because there was no way he was going to be able to do that. And the result is that we suffered. We suffered for the vast majority of 2021. I would argue everybody did. And that person made it worse. He made it worse on everybody during his stint. He made it worse. So let's try to get back what we used to have, what we lost. I don't care what you choose. I'm saying that what we got was a bad decision for those that voted for that reason. If you only voted because of what he said, nothing of what he said came true. Not a thing of what he promised was true. Instead, we're in a worse position than where we used to be. We have to get to a better position all across the board. We can't sustain like this. I don't want people to leave the country, but that's what people are going to do. They're going to leave the country because they can't tolerate being here. And if people leave the country, that's less money to the economy. It just makes things worse. That means we got to fix the situation. So think about that. Think about what you want to do when come time for the voting, because it's coming up. Be thinking about it and be really thinking about, are we really better off than where we used to be or are we not? Because I think you'll find we're not better off than where we used to be. We're in a much worse spot and there's really only one way to go, either up or down from here. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. 
Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.